When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what to expect in the last consumer price inflation report of the year and what's ahead. We're also going to talk about where financial advisors believe that you should invest your $10,000 if you have $10,000 right now. And then we're going to talk about my amazing dip into the ice bath and how you could benefit from it too, possibly if it's something that you're interested in. Enjoy. Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining me today. And my name is Jeremy Quintanilla. This is a podcast where I share all the things that I've learned as I build my businesses and try to give you insight into things that you can do to help improve your life. And along with building businesses, one of the most important things is for you to work harder on yourself than anybody else. Um, something that I uh, uh, watched CJV do and then looked at it and said, you know, I need to get back to working harder on myself also than anything else. Um, and so I think that it makes us better leaders, better entrepreneurs, better business people and everything in between. So I think it's something that we should all work on. Now that's going to be different for a lot of people. But um, for me, it includes things like mindfulness, religious practices, sutra reading, martial arts, working out, things like that. Um, psychotherapy to help become a better work on psychotherapy along with um, communicating better with my wife and things of that nature. And therefore, I can take all those skills and put them into the workplace and be, I guess, a better member of society. That also being said, I'm coming down, I'm coming off of having um, what I believe to be was the flu. And the only reason why I believe that, I know that you have to get tested to know if you have the flu, but because someone that I was around, they got tested, they had the flu. Well, someone I was around, someone who's around someone that got tested and they had the flu. So I figured it was the flu. Plus I had a flu shot. I didn't get it that bad. The only part that's bad for me actually was after the day of getting really sick, um, for one day resting, um, it all ended up in my chest and that I can't actually beat. And so I think I might go get some steroids for that or take more garlic or I don't know, we'll figure it out. But that being said, I apologize because throughout this episode, I'll have to pause quickly to pause the audio track so that I can cough or whatever, kind of like this which is somewhat annoying when you're recording a podcast because you have to restart the record. I mean, it's not super difficult. It's just kind of annoying and definitely not something that I want to do, but I thought that I would do it anyway. So that being said, let's talk about fucking inflation. I went to Filiberto's yesterday for some lunch or dinner or whatever. I got me one of the meals, no drink. I got Danielle, um, a couple tacos and then got some extra tacos and then got carne asada fries. And it was 52 fucking dollars. That is freaking outrageous for three people to eat the fries for Ariana. Um, now, 
I ended up eating all of that over the course of the day, the stuff that I had bought. So I guess I didn't really need all of that in one sitting, obviously. But I think that, um, or the part that I ate, um, but I think that uh, it is pretty apparent that inflation has gotten crazy. And there's a great article in Bloomberg called What to Expect in the Last Consumer Price Inflation Report of the Year, What's Ahead. That being said, one of the things that frustrates me is that they don't ever really, from my reading, and I, I read through it, and what I mean by that is I read through it pretty quick. Now, maybe I missed something, but they never really tell you like what is happening that's actually going to increase the inflation or stop the inflation. And I always thought that that's been a little funny. Um, I guess they kind of mentioned certain things. A lot of inflation increases has to do with money coming out of the system. More of it has to do with the fact that people go back to work after not being out of work in a long time. And that, that coupled with the stimulus over the last years um, since 2020 has really increased our inflation. But we're coming off of like a 40-year high high of inflation and it's freaking ridiculous so i'm going to jump around in this article here there's a um link to the article in the bio or the episode if you want to check it out and again please excuse my breathing um again have this ridiculous thing in my chest it's hopefully going away but if we look at the inflation is up 7.7 percent so far this year so that take into account if i just want to mention something if you do not get a 7.7 percent increase next year you lost money if you have not gotten the got have not received a pay increase that is like seven point seven to ten percent, you are now poorer than you were a year ago. And that's why it's important to think about inflation and how your money is increasing over time and the cash that you're bringing in, how you're bringing in cash. That is kind of shitty for a lot of people. We've I felt it, and I'm and I make decent money, right? And so I think that people really need to understand that. Um, so some of the things that have increased the most obviously fuel and oil. Eggs has gotten a little bit crazy. Airfares, butter, public transportation, flour, frozen baking products, uh, utility pipe to gas, salad dressing, canned foods, vehicle repair, pet food, delivery services, vehicle insurance. So when we look at all those things increasing, right, it's it, when we look at all those things increasing, that's the reason why we're starting to fill it now because it's being it's all of the, the prices are increasing and in all these things that we are using on a consistent basis. And now now that that's getting set into our system, now that feeling is hitting many more people than originally, right? It's going to start off hitting people that are less fortunate or and, you know, more towards poverty. Then it's going to go to that um, poverty, the middle class level. Then it's going to take a little bit longer to get the middle class and upper class level. But now then everybody starts a, a feeling it. And now we have to figure out how we can combat that. And one of the ways to combat it is to make more money, right? Because we can't rely on the government, right? We can't rely on corporations to be good, right? We can't rely on the, the government to really do a lot of things. They have to, they bitch and moan about everything between both of the parties. So it takes forever to get everything done. And so when we look at that, how can we look at making more money for ourselves? And that's one of the things that we need to get out of our heads when it comes to inflation or change about how we look at inflation is that, okay, I'm looking at inflation. I'm making less money. How can I make more money? And I know that that's not, that shouldn't be how it is, but it is how it is. So while we're working on trying to figure out how to fix that, or if you're wanting to fix that and you want to go into politics or to something along those lines, that's great. And you should do that if you want to change these things system systemically. But on the flip side, you still need to pay for your family. And one of those ways is to make more money. Um, so uh, the path of U.S. inflation in 2023 may have more surprises in store after a year in which consumers suffered the biggest cost of living hit 
hit in 40 years, spurring steep interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve and spooking investors. The, Novo- the November consumer price index due um, tomorrow, or I'm rec- it will be out today. I'm re- recording this on Monday. Um, the November consumer price index should be out today. The final report of 2022 is projected to show that while inflation is moderating, it's running at about three times its pre-pandemic pace. Excluding food and energy, the consumer price index is seen rising 0.3% for a second month and 6.1% from a year ago. The report will reinforce the narrative that inflation has peaked, said Aneta Markowaska. Chief Financial Economist at Jeffries LLC. But there's still going to be some potholes, at least, that we hit in the next few months in terms of the inflation outlook. The trajectory of inflation next year will depend on whether there's further tampering in core good prices, when and how much rents cool, and to what extent wage growth, particularly in services, moderates particularly in services, moderates. Here's a look at what economists are expecting for the CPI in November and the months ahead. So the median forecast for the consumer price index, which is abbreviated CPI. So the CPI median forecast is 0.3% month over month. Core CPI is 0.3%. And then Bloomberg Economics Economics expects 0.2% consumer price index and 0.3% core consumer price index. Prices of U.S. cars and medical care services are expected to decline next year, with the latter largely reflecting updated source data that drove a record drop in the health insurance price index in the prior month's report. Shelter, however, will remain a big driver of inflation because of capitalists. The October CPI showed a welcome slowdown in rent as well as owners' equivalent rent, which posted the smallest month gain since July. But given the size of the pullback, Oscar Munoz, U.S. macro strategist at TD Securities, said he's expecting a small bounce in November. Economists see the housing components as a wild card for the month. Um, and why it's saying a small bounce in November, because we're getting the November reports here in December. So we're going to see it bounce a little bit in November, and that's going to um, add to that increased inflation. Uh, small categories could also see some re- re- reversals after outsized moves in the prior month. For instance, the cost of hotel stays, which surged 5.6% in October, are expected to ease over Uh, ease or even decline. Apparel prices will also likely drop for a third month amid high inventory and heavy discounting heading into the holiday season. Meantime, gasoline prices, which on a daily basis have fallen steadily since early last month, are not only expected to be a drag on the November headline figure, but may also help produce the first decline in CPI since 2020 when the December data was released. So that means that since 2020, things like gasoline have been increasing. Um, And that's one of the things that has really hit consumers' pockets the most. Um, In fact, that's what's luckily, you know, my business pays for my gasoline. Um, But um, if, if it hadn't, it would have really hurt us because, you know, even my wife, she's doing like what 50 60 she's doing about 300 dollars a month in gasoline prices as well price 300 dollars for her gasoline as well so um ultimately the key to an inflation returns to the fed's target is core services excluding housing and because of the importance of wages in these services economists will be watching a wide variety of pay metrics while there are some pockets of weakness in the labor market overall it remains remarkably strong. And that's one of the other reasons why there was inflation is because as the labor market continues to increase, there's going to be more cash pumped into the system, which will cause inflation to go. Um, When you're thinking about where is inflation going to be six to 12 months from now, I know it really comes down to wages is what Markoska said. And again, that goes back to the labor force going in here. It's not really the printing of money that really affects. It's printing of the money 
to some extent when that money gets flooded into the system. But it's what we're really experiencing is a stronger labor market and where we didn't have a strong labor market because of COVID. And now that that's getting going again, we're getting flushed with all these people coming into the system and they are spending money. So make sure that you're being mindful of your spending. And I would recommend trying to find other ways to make extra cash. So what should you do if you have $10,000 to invest? Well, there is a Bloomberg Business Week article about that. Where do we invest 10000 right now? And the long and the short of it is that they recommend that you invest in income-driven stocks, I guess, would be the best way to explain it. And so um, my opinion on that is, yes, I agree with that. I think dividend income high-yield stocks are going to be the best. Essentially, a dividend is you own a certain amount of shares. A company gives out some of that profits to its shareholders based off of the amount of dividends that are outstanding. It comes down to like, I don't know, a dollar per dividend per share or something like that. So if you show a share of stock, you get whatever that dividend is. It could be anything really. So I, it's not always going to be a dollar. But let's say in this case, there's a company where they're going to give a dollar per share. You have one share, you get paid out a dollar. Um, and so those are some of the best stocks that you can invest in. They recommend in this article, and I'm not a financial advisor, so please um, uh, reach out to a financial advisor to find out what you should invest in, or you can go read this article and take Bloomberg's advice. Um, they have like, um, so high quality dividend yields. Let's see here. See what are some of the ETFs? Uh, the S and P 500 High Dividend Low Volatility ETF is SPHD. Um, that's one that they recommend. They recommend that helps those shares U.S. Quality Dividend ETF. That's OUSA. Talk, uh, stock symbol Global X S and P 500 Quality Dividend ETF. That's QDIV. The reason why they do the, an ETF, it's like it it baskets things that meet whatever it is. So like in the S and P 500 dividend low volatility, they're going after stocks that yield a higher dividend than other stocks that also have, according to metrics, lower volatility or a lower um, relationship probably to how the markets move right. And so because there's a lower volatility, that's lower risk, but you're also getting that higher dividend payout added back into it unless you get it paid out as a check, which you could do depending. Um, anyway, and so that being said, I would recommend looking at ETFs or talking to your financial advisor. ETFs, in my opinion, I like iShares ETFs. They're by BlackRock. Um, and so the Vanguard, I'm sorry, the iShares uh, Focused Value Factor ETF, FOVL, is another one that they recommend here. Um, and then they also recommend um, long-term bond ETFs. Um, so... We never talk a lot about bonds and people don't know a lot about bonds. I've been thinking about writing something specifically for here to talk about how bonds work. Um, but for the purposes of this podcast, if you're interested in bonds, reach out to me. One often reach out to me on Snapchat at Age of Jeremy. In fact, I don't think I went over that. You can reach out to me on all of the socials at Age of Jeremy. Snapchat, you can just snap me at Age of Jeremy and I'll do my best to answer the question that you have. Um, and then also, too, you can email me at jeremy.quintanilla at qfinancialllc.com. That email address is in the episode description. You can ask me about bonds specifically if you'd like. Um, most people don't do a lot with bonds um, nowadays, but bonds are one of the best ways to create, I guess, more risk-averse long-term 
gains, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Um, and it's essentially providing debt to a company, and uh, they're fun. And so people should get into them. I The only bonds that I own are currently through ETFs. Um, I'm building up uh, value inside of one of my TD brokerage accounts to invest more in bonds, um, specifically municipal bonds, um, because of what they do for the cities and so forth. Um, and that's something that I enjoy just doing in general. Um, and so, uh, and then you kind of can trade them and get good returns on them. But that being said, we'll not put that into this episode. So I would take a look at this uh, article. It's in the episode description. It's called uh, Where to Invest $10,000. But essentially, the article talks about uh, different types of dividend yield ETFs. Oh, and an ETF, the reason why they're recommending ETFs is ETF does something that that kind of diversifies yourself over multiple stocks that do this thing. Um, and so I, you know, if you for people that are focused on utilizing this for retirement, yes, I think that that's what you should do. If you are, if you're trying to, you know, if you have money and you're okay to lose it, I would recommend just directly investing in the stock itself. I always think it's better to find five or six really good stocks and just focus on those that are run well, that have good dividend yields, depending on what it is that you're focused on with it. You know, like I own Adobe, but that's because I'm, I am uh, believe that the value of Adobe is going to go up closer to a thousand dollars over the next five years or six years, and so it, while Adobe doesn't have a high dividend yield, I believe that its value is going to increase. Um, we're like York Water Company, uh, one of the best run water utilities in the country and longest run water utilities in the country, uh, private wa- private wise. Um, they have a fantastic dividend yield. So I get most of my dividend yield back from them. Now, that being said, everybody's going to have a different scenario. That's why not everything's got to be case by case. And that's why it's really good to work with some type of financial advisor to give you that guy's um, give you that advice and then help you to build out your portfolio. All right. So make sure that you check out that um, uh, link in the episode description for that article. And then also check out the other Bloomberg article. Uh, I recommend that you get Bloomberg um, uh, just because they have really good business articles that you can read and gain insight into. Um, And that's one of the other things that I really push and focus on is people reading news more intelligently, I guess, or slowly looking at it um, themselves and uh, making assessments and judgments based off of what they read. So let's take a quick break. All right, all right, all right. It's Matthew McConaughey, although I probably don't sound like Matthew McConaughey, and I definitely don't look as awesome as Matthew McConaughey, but I look cool in my own right. So that being said, let's talk about ice baths. So I have always been a fan of different types of workout methods like we used to train do mace well i still do mace training okay let me t- take the back i have maces i would like to do more mace training than i actually do maces in hand club um sandbag workouts i don't have any sandbags i want to do those but the maces the indian clubs the kettlebells i have all of that we use kettlebells at our gym um now we uh i like to dive deep inside of the movement um that goes inside of those um Uh, workouts, the yoga that goes inside of those workouts. So I've always been a fan of like um, different types of movement workouts and things that like are different than the normal lifting weights and, you know, hitting the regular gym stuff, even though I do a lot of that right now. Well, not right now because I've been sick for a week and a half, but you get the point. 
Now, my point, though, on top of that, is um, we, uh, CJV, has always been a fan of doing ice baths. Once he started doing them, our friend Jeremy owns a company called Reconnect in Mesa, Arizona, so you should check that out. Um, and he helps people do, you know, therapy. Um, and then he, he has a whole, he has two ice baths, I think, in there. He has, like, a red light sauna room. He has, like, these cool pressure bags. Um, and then he also does training for, like, to help people with injuries and movement um, and all those things. So... I have always been a fan of wanting to do ice baths. Um, I've never got into it because one of the reasons is because over the last five years, you know, my life was very, very strict. So I would, you know, when I worked in Chandler, right before I got the stay at home job in 2020 with uh, the bank was that I would work essentially until 10 or 1030, try to get in bed between 11 and 1130, wake up at four, go to work, go to the fitness center until 10, depending on the night, try to get back home at 11. If I didn't go to the fitness center, I would work those other nights and then get home and go to bed and get back up at four o'clock. And I, you know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with people that were, you know, i have no judgment or anything on people that say that they can live off of four hours of sleep. It was a pain. I, I did it like four or five hours of sleep. I did it for many, many years. It was very uh, taxing on my body. I'm more of a seven and a half hour sleep guy. Um, and so, uh, so when I was going through all of that, I didn't have a lot of extra time or energy to put into taking really good care of my health the way that other people did, um, that I was around just because of the fact that I had been working, you know, my bank job for 40 or 50 hours a week. And then I would work, you know, I would try to get another 40 or 50 hours a week work with other things. Now, did I really do that? No, but I tried to do it and I did the best that I could at it. Um, and so now that things are kind of still freakishly busy, um, I have still maintained a different 12 hour day, um, 12 hour to 13 hour a day work some days of the week, pulled back a little bit on the weekends, put that time more towards religious practice, meditation, working with my wife, being doing stuff around the house. Now there will be times here soon that I have to go back into doing some of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you're doing like four or five hours on the weekend, that's fine. Um, but I think that it gives me the opportunity to work more towards my personal inner journey. And one of those things that I want to do is that was a cold bath just to have done one. And so when we did our Christmas party, I went ahead and I had Jeremy. And so we have a Christmas party every year for Warriors where anybody can come to. And then we have one for team members. It's more of like an intimate thing. So this time we had Jeremy um, come and do an ice bath at our facility. We got a trough. Um, we got a bunch of ice and we got it down to a little bit like 38 degrees. I think it was. Yeah, we got a little under 40 degrees. We would have tried to get it to 33 degrees is where we liked it. But 38 was where we got it. And that is when we. Um, uh, yeah, that's where we got it to. And we did an ice bath and it was a lot different than what I expected. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that. So first of all, I don't think that anybody should go out and do ice baths unless it's something that they want. I know like a lot of people that follow us, follow myself or follow CJV, you know, CJV does his plant medicines. I personally have no interest in doing plant medicines um, to the extent that CJV does um, shrooms, microdoses. I probably don't have a problem doing just to open up that side of my mind. Um, but I super enjoy esoteric meditation practices. Um, I've been spending a lot of more time with Shingon practices, um, you know, doing the Heart Sutra mantra more, um, studying, meditating on the syllable A, um, which is the the in Indian symbol A Siddham, I think is how it's pronounced. 
Um, and so I've been really focusing on that, those types of things, trying to really figure out how I can help bring Buddhism, esoteric Buddhism to Glendale, Arizona, and be a proponent of that. And so, um, so I don't, I don't have that, that, um, want to do that. And so my point is, is that if you don't have the want to do the ice bath, don't feel because anybody else does it, that you have to go and do it. Just do it because you want to experience and want to do it. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to experience it. Now I wanted to experience it because I thought it would just be really cool to see what that experience was like, but the experience that happens with it in the way that Jeremy teaches it at reconnect kind of opened my mind to wanting to do it even more and adding it into a regular part of my practice. And that's what I'm explaining right now. So over a couple of years ago, the ice bass got really um, prominent because of a gentleman named Win Hoff. Um, he has a breathing meditation uh, that he does. It's a it's a yogic style meditation where you essentially do fast inner and harsher outer breath, essentially, for the most part. I'm super paraphrasing this. You do inner breath and outer breath, open mouth, right? You do it um, in a fast pace. And then on some of the exhales on the last part of the fast paced breath, you hold it. And what it does is it creates like a euphoric sense. Um, and so like, if you ever heard about like yogis that meditate on top of a cold mountain, they're essentially doing this type of breathing. So what he's doing, I don't think is anything that's really new. I think he took it. He repackaged it. He's a very kind guy. It seems like John's had the, op or CJV's had the opportunity to meet him in person. So it was Jeremy. Um, and I, w I think that if I could go back and change it, I would have done, I would have gone with them and I, I should have made, I just, I don't know what I just was super tired from working all the time. I guess that every opportunity I had, I would relax or whatever. And so I think that I would have went and did that if I could, if I could go back, I would have done it. Anyway, point of story is, is that they do, he has this breathing method that teaches that. And then that those breathing methods and the, those stress factors and how to relate to those stress factors when you're doing that type of breathing, you can put into the water when you do the ice bath and that's where the ice bath part helps and then there's meditation that goes along with it and so i think that because of him it's really gotten popular however when i was in high school back in the early 2000s and then when i would watch like reality tv shows on mtv in the mid 2000s when they would do sports they would always do the ice baths after it because ice baths knowingly we know right as a society for the most part that they do improve performance when you go, when you're having heavy performance and then you go and do that cool off or you do them between that to increase performance. So we know that ice baths do that. The other thing that ice baths really do. Um, and, and, and so there's ice baths and there's ice baths. So, um, Ice baths aren't like uh, usually as extreme as whole body cryotherapy. Some people do ice baths from 50 to 59 degrees water and they do them. We do it more the cryo cryotherapy where it's like that 33 degrees, I believe, or below. And so that's what Jeremy teaches. That's what we did ours at 38 degrees. And so the idea is that it's supposed to reduce inflammation and swelling. It's supposed to relieve sore muscles. It's supposed to aid exercise recovery. It's supposed to lower core body temperature, support immunity, improve mental health. Now, I haven't been doing it long enough to know that all of that is works. But if you go and research on YouTube, you can find people that have done that have looked at all the studies and some of these are pretty accurate. Um, like I watched one on YouTube and I, I should have got the video and put it in here, but I, maybe I'll do that. Um, maybe I won't. So check the episode description, see if there's a video on, um, the, like the science behind ice pass. Um, and so, 
like reducing inflammation and swelling, that does work. Uh, relief sore muscles, that does work. AIDS exercise recovery, that does work. Um, uh, improves mental health. It actually was proven to do that because of the way that the whole, and this, the, the person that like, the guy that I watched that like cro- critiqued all of this was a medical doctor and he was doing it on the entire Wim Hof method. So it wasn't just on the ice bath. But when you think about the breathing aspect that goes into what you have to do to prepare for an ice bath and to do the ice bath, there has been proof that it does, can in fact improve mental health. And that's why when CJV talks about like, he says that, look, if you, because he did this for a while because he'd been working on himself that led him to the plant medicines, right? When he says like, if you want to do plant medicines, you don't have to do that. You can do things like ice baths or like more in deep meditation. Okay. And so that's why, that's why I think that um, we need to be more proponent of these things because a lot of the times when we look at like people that are on social media, they're like, Oh, you need to go into peyote or you need to go and do, um, the, um, San Pedro, San Pedro. Yeah. Or you need to go and do this and this and this, and you don't have to do any of those things, right? You want to look at where you're at in your journey and what makes sense for you. And you can achieve a lot of these opening and experiences and euphoric experiences with breathing with things like ice baths. And that's what I'm gonna talk about my experience when we did this. So that being said, these things do have these types of you know, benefits. Now, when you do it, when you're at that 33 degrees, we only did like one to two minutes inside of that. So what I did to prepare was I did some Wim Hof breathing. Um, I try to meditate a couple times a week as, as much as I can, um, chant sutras, right? Try to get myself into the, the mindset of going into something that's ridiculously cold. And then I started doing cold showers. Now I couldn't check the temperature of the cold shower. All I know that it was cold for me occasionally. Sometimes it wasn't that cold for me. So who knows how cold it actually was. So that helped me, in my opinion, I think. Also, meditating outside in the cold helped me. Um, although here in Arizona, it's like a dry cold, which is not good for your breathing. If it's a dry breath, it's not about the cold. It's about the dryness, especially if you have asthma like I do. Now, that being said, um, I don't. I, I think that these things helped prepare me for the ice bath because the ice bath itself wasn't that bad. Um, as cold as I thought it wasn't, it did what nothing is in my opinion for me anyways, nothing is as bad or as good as I ever expected to be. So I just kind of got used to that. So like, okay, I'm going to do the ice bath. I'll get in, I'll get over it. It'll go through. Maybe I'll last a couple seconds. Maybe I'll last 30 seconds. Maybe I'll last a minute. And so one of the things that helped me was dipping my head in first, which Brenda, I got from Brenda because she's done them. Now, the thing that I wasn't prepared for was I forgot really about the spiritual journey of this. Um, and how the water can teach you something because like what happens. So, so let me explain like what happens. So when, when, when I, when I personally, I, I can't say this works for everybody else, but when I went in the water, essentially you lose sense of your body. And so all you're left with is your thoughts and your minds and trying to control this pain that's happening because the coldness isn't like you think of when you cold and you shiver. Yeah, you'll probably shiver or you might like hyperventilate, right? Um, that did not happen because Jeremy guided us through how to breathe. So how he teaches how to breathe inside of the water um, is, is, is what really helped me main con- in control, right? And so, so when you go in, 
you just kind of lose sense of your hand. Like it, it's like, it just hurts. It's like, there's just this hurting that's happening in your body from all of the cold. Like it's so cold that it hurts. You get stiff. You, you just kind of lose sense of your body. And so all that you're left with is really, is your mind because that's all really that you can feel at least how that was for me. Now that's how the f- actual feeling goes. And then when you get out, you're hot. You know, my fingers were all red. It felt amazing. I f- went by the fire. We had a fire. I warmed up. It was just fantastic. I loved it so much. So that the, the that part of it, like the way that it made my body feel was just amazing. Like all the pain left my body, like from the inflammation, like my back didn't hurt. Like, I don't know, just all of that stuff just, just felt amazing, amazing, amazing. But then there was the emotional, like what you learn from being in the water. So, which is a part that I forgot, right? So when I went into, not forgot, like it happened, but forgot that that happens. And so my point was like, okay, I'm going to do this badassing in the water. But then when Jeremy started remind, talking about like, you want to think what you want to let go of, what you want to work on. And, and you may work on that when you get in the water, the water may take you a different direction, which then that got my anxiety up because like, oh man, what do I want to work on? Do I want to work on my relationship with Danielle? Do I want to work on my weird attachment to my animals, right? Not being able to let go of something when it passes away. Um, the the feeling of attachment in life. Like, what is it that I want to do that's going to help me? Is it, you know, being okay, not being a billionaire, being okay, you know, reminding myself that I wanted to be a theologian, like being who I'm supposed to be like, what did I want to work on? And I started thinking about all this stuff. And I was like, what the fuck am I going in there for? Like, is it just so I can say that I did it or can it be more? And once I started breathing and the water hit me, like I just saw like my life, like it was weird. Like I saw like everything that happened in my life. I saw who I was back when I studied yoga diligently, uh, wanting to like change the world of health and wellness, wanting to educate people on their lives can being different. And then I saw like over all the years that I spent in school doing analysis and being analytical and forgetting how to like, you know, care. I don't want to say care for other people because I always care for other people, but like just focusing so much on money and wealth and like this stuff that doesn't matter and then like thinking of like my books and Buddha and God and, you know, whatever you want to call God and like all this stuff. And then it was just like all that just left my body and I was just content and not even content, like happy. And so I just smiled and I just spent a minute smiling with no thoughts in my mind. And it was so relaxing and energizing and refreshing to remember that you don't have to be, you can be kind caring and loving in this world and it's okay i think is what what i learned from that that experience right like i don't have to get uh, become and so it's not that i'm not that way now like i'm su- I, I feel that i'm kind of caring and loving but like more kind caring and loving like there's no reason to pretend to be something that you're not it's kind of like what was said to me like there's no reason to try to be a hard ass there's no reason to try to be a badass there's no reason why you cannot be light loving and caring in the world and if people don't like you for that being who you are then those people can really go away 
and because like my mission is just to be continuing to be at peace and working on bringing peace to people and it was just really interesting that that's what the water taught me that time and if that's what it could teach me that time like how what else can it do to improve my life and improve my state and improve where I'm going in the world and who I am and what I'm trying to do. And it's just, it's just a really beautiful thing because I would love to continue to study these types of meditations and see who I can become and who I can help and who I can teach. Right. And so, because that's always been my biggest, um, dilemma in life. And I think that I'm to the point where I realize you can have both of them if you be who you are supposed to be, right? And what I mean by both of them, I mean being wealthy, be a religious leader, or be a religious um, um, explorer or theologian or explainer of things if you take the time and do that. And so that's kind of where I realized where my my niche was in the content that I bring. It's like taking all of these things that we look at in the world, wealth, gaming, all of this, and and reminding people and adding things to that knowledge about mindfulness and being able to sit and being present and being able to take it back to yourself and work on you so that that DNA of what is in you, where you are at in the world, and what you do for the world can change over time and affect the world and ripple throughout the world, right? And so when you think about it, like, okay, I don't have any kids. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, you know, adopt some children or my wife will have children or I'll have children if men can have children one day, who knows? And so like, when I look at that, like, how can, how can, how can what I do and what I bring into the world, whether it's a human or actions, how can those things ripple and leave, be here, be here forever? Because if that's the case, then we never really die. And that's always been one of the things that bothers me. It's not that I'm like afraid to die. I'm afraid to be dead. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I need to work out on myself is it's not that I'm afraid to be dead in the sense that like, okay, I'm dead. It's, it's more along the lines, man, I didn't get to do everything that I wanted to do. And, and that's one of the things that, that bothers me. And that's one of the things that I was able to look at and say, well, you can, you can do those things. It doesn't have to be this specific way. It can be lots of different ways and you can have a very big impact on the world. And if you do that, you will be able to sustain yourself and make money with that. Maybe you won't be a billionaire. Maybe you won't be a millionaire. Maybe you'll be, you know, a low hundred thousand error. Maybe you'll just go through life living, but like the, 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 the impact of what you leave behind will be great because of what you're trying to accomplish. And so that sense of well-being and that sense of purpose of when I got outside of the water is what it taught me that first time that I got in the water. So what more can I teach myself if I put myself in that condition and and look at life introspectively a lot better, right? So like Socrates always said, I don't know if he always said this, but supposedly he said that, you know, the unexamined life isn't worth living. And the thing is, is that I haven't been spending enough time examining my life because I've been focusing on so many other people and so many other businesses that aren't really, you know, um, uh, they're great and they're going to provide and change the world and things like that. And that's fantastic. But is that the way that I want to change the world? 
And if they give me the money and they give me the wealth, how am I going to use that to change the world in which I want to change it? And if they don't work out, can I still change the world the way that I want to change it? And I can't. And that was one of the things that I, I learned from this experience. So I think that besides the physical health benefits of it, I think the introspection and the the inner experience of it is something that you should look at to experience. And the thing is, is you can't, what I will say this is the other thing that I learned is you can't force those things on other people, right? Like all we can do is be who we are and share with what we learn. And if other people want to try that to do it, then they can try it and do it. That's fine. Um, if they don't, then there's nothing wrong with that. And that's one of the reasons why I think that families end up being torn apart because of religious beliefs, because of practices is because um, I, there's a saying that there's a saying that like the, the devil hits you at the family. Well, the devil hits you at the family because the family is torn apart because of religious beliefs. And that's why it's easy for the devil to hit a family. So, you know, Jesus, people that, follow the life of Jesus and follow Christianity will often sometimes say that, you know, that religion or that Christ is more important than that family. So that family is already in disarray because of that. And then the family can hit you there at the family. What I'm trying to say is, yes, that's all possible. Um, my thing is, is that don't let your religious experiences and practice affect what you think and should want out of that other person. Maybe that's a conversation that you guys need to have to say, maybe we need to work on this together because I would like you to try these things with me, but don't force anything on someone else because I think that that's really what destroys the families. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But, um, and so that was, and the reason why I'm saying this is because for a long time I figured because I was doing something, my wife had to do it, or my, you know, my niece had to do it, or my mom had to do it. And it took me a very long time to realize that no one has to do anything except for what they're doing because it's their life, right? And so I should be there kind, loving, caring, doing the things that we enjoy doing together, and then being able to do the things that maybe the other person doesn't enjoy doing and being able to do that by myself. Now, would I wish that they would do these things with me? Absolutely. And I can always invite them and I can tell them how it makes me feel and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, don't let that ruin you because someone else isn't willing to go along with the things that you want to do because that's okay. So it was just a really uh, amazing experience for me. Um, just the one time that I did it and I hope to do it again. And if you feel that it's something that you want to do and you're in Arizona, reach out to reconnect. Uh, Jeremy Mutic uh, is it's his business, uh, re R E connect C O N N E C T. I'll put the link in the bio as well, and you should definitely check it out. So remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind, and we'll talk with you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, which I know you did, make sure that you like it and subscribe to it in your favorite pod catcher or wherever you're listening to it right now in your pod catcher. Um, and if that pod catcher allows you to rate this episode, please rate this episode. Um, just be honest. It'll make me look at it and be like, oh, I could do better. Or it'll be like, cool, people really like it. And then it's the algorithm's going to get it in front of more people. The opening song was Brave Faces Everyone by a band called Spanish Love Songs. Clothing song. 
song was Threatening Each Other Recapitalism by a band called Illuminati Hotties. I use Neumann microphones. Zoom L8 is my mixer. Um, and uh, yeah, remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind. And again, we'll talk with you next time. Bye.